I like our ramblings. I like no. I do, well, I actually think it's part of the charm of the podcast. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like listening back to it just to see how rambling we get, and then yeah, think yeah. we mustn't we mustn't do that again. But it's never gone too far. That's the thing; it's never gone too far off topic. It might tonight, but <laughs> well, the golden scissors are always there. That's very true. Yes. Are you ready to start? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whenever you're ready. Welcome to Stage Doorcast, episode eight. Um, good afternoon, Richard. Good afternoon. You sounded a bit unsure about what the episode number was. Well, there, it wasn't Cliff. so much the episode number as I was thinking we're recording this quite early on on um, Thursday. We are, and, and uh, quite un, you know, unusually early, which is yeah. great because um, you're available early, and so am I today. And I suddenly thought, should I actually admit that it's quite early, or should I pretend like everyone does that it's still the evening? But no. well, also, also neither of us have had a drink, so no, I mean, no I've just got a cup of tea. It's it's just it's really bad. Um, now we're going to start with a slightly sad note because just after we published episode seven a fortnight ago, we heard of the sad news of the passing of Hal Prince. Yeah, in fact, it was the day after, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Hours after. And I know we we briefly thought that we might do a special short uh, thing, but I think there were so many really excellent obituaries published uh, yeah. in the few days following that it really, you know, we couldn't have added to any of that. But I, I do think it's worth taking a few minutes just to consider the impact he had on musical theatre at both sides of the um, Atlantic. And uh, you know, there are probably people listening to this now whose interest in musical theatre was spurred by one of his shows because there were so many yeah I mean I think one of the things um, that I watched on Facebook there was an interview from the other palace which was only a few years ago um, where he was being interviewed with Andrew Lloyd Webber Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber was doing the interviewing you know and for somebody like Andrew Lloyd Webber to be doing the interviewing I think it's quite a thing really and Mm. he was obviously you know, much in awe of of how Prince and what he'd done for his career, because you know before um, they worked together, uh, Lloyd Webber was was a young composer and was sort of struggling to get things put on, and um, he tells a story of uh, of sending uh, a copy of a musical I think it was Jeeves or no Hal Prince had been to see Jeeves in London and wrote a note to Lloyd Webber saying you know it's it's not a great musical call but keep at it um, and Lloyd Webber had arranged to meet him for lunch the next day or something and and he said I'm working on a, a musical about Eva Perron uh, to which Hal Prince said uh, well when you finished it give me first uh, refusal and that's how they started working together um and of course evita is one of the things i'm going to talk about a little bit later on but since then obviously phantom and loads of things with sondheim as well both sides of the channel yeah he was really 
influential, wasn't he? Yeah, and, and I'm, I mean, I think actually Phantom is one of those shows that even if you ask someone who doesn't really know that much or even care that much about musical theatre, if you said to them, mm. name a West End show in London, Phantom of the Opera would probably be almost at the top of the list. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and still is now, th- yeah. you know, 30-odd years later. So, you know, it's a testament. And apparently he was, he was still planning to to start work on another show in September, you know, at 90, was he 92? I think it's 92. Um, yeah, 91 or 92. Um, yeah. I mean, when you consider, I was just uh, pull, pulled up his Wikipedia entry. Um, when you consider his first job as an assistant stage manager was in 1950. Mm. And he first did a, he was a co-producer in 1954 on the Pajama Game. Mm, that's right. He, he mentioned that in his... Uh, in his uh, in that little interview I was talking about, and, and I mean the first time he met Sondheim was when he was working with as a as a producer on uh, West Side Story in uh, I think that was fifty six or something like that. Yeah, and I think it, it might have been sixty. Was it sixty? Oh no, okay. no, fifty seven. No, fifty seven. No, seven. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and that was the first time he met Sondheim because the original producer of West Side Story had pulled out for some reason and they were scrabbling around desperately looking for people and, and how Prince, um, you know, stumped up some money and got involved and that was how he met Sondheim. Yeah, and his his influence particularly on things like cabaret, you know, which was, you know, really a completely different way of thinking about theatre and... Of course, we've been talking uh, earlier uh, in the podcast a few months ago, we were talking about Company, the really highly successful uh, recent West End production. But, mm. but that was he. That was one of his shows as well. He did Company 1970, the first production of Company. Well, I think everything since, you know, uh, even the Evita at Regent's Park now, I mean, you look, you know, they have to have looked back on the original and the originals were usually done by him in yes. some way or another. So, um, yeah, hugely influential and... Um, yeah, sad loss to theatre. And yeah, and just uh, he was uh, um, he was often used revolving sets. He was a big fan of, of the fluidity of movement in theatre, and he also, he also liked actors to work out their own stuff, which yeah. I think led to many of them really loving working with him because he didn't wasn't too dictatorial about how they found the characterisation of their own character. No, and you often hear that from actors, don't you, in interviews yeah. and things. They they like working with a certain person or they don't like working with a certain person because of exactly that reason. I mean, I suppose it's a fine line when you're directing a, a, a big money show as a director. You know, you've got, to, you've got to get it done and you've got to put your imprint on it. But good for him if he let the actors have a bit of free reign. Yeah, well, know? sadly missed. I mean, you know, in this country we would say 91, 92 is a good innings, as, as we would say, but even mm. so, um, he was still working and thinking about theatre right up to the end. So um, a very sad loss, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on to a bit of news. Um, And I saw a a thing uh, today which was a bit of a sad uh, thing, which is Peter Pan is closing early at the Troubadour White City. We we only talked about it opening (laughs) a a little while ago. Um, Oh, dear. Does it say why? Well, it doesn't, but it's closing after six weeks and it was due to run for 14. So mm. I would suggest the reason is that it's done really, really bad business. Um, well, I mean, both the both the White City one and the Wembley one um, are huge spaces to fill, aren't they? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. Again, this may come down to something we've talked about before. I don't know what ticket prices they charge for these for the, for those theatres, but 
you know, maybe they've caught a cold on something where they're charging too much to try and fill a huge theatre. I don't, I don't know. But I mean, I don't know if you saw the video on um, the little video on Facebook that our friend Madeline put on there. She'd been to the one at Wembley and um, put a little video just of the auditorium as she went, went in. And it, it looks absolutely stunning, but it's huge. Yes. So I imagine they've got to sell a lot of tickets to, to, to make any money or break even on these things. Maybe they're just too big. I don't know. It was the largest purpose-built TV studio in Europe. Wow. Um, so it is an enormous space. It's a, it's a really big space and, and very high as well, which, uh, you know... Um, all, all the way round, so making it theatrically quite difficult, I would think. Well, we'll have to keep an eye and see what goes in there and, uh, and yeah. how they do, I it, guess. It is interesting because, uh, in a way, it was perhaps hopeful of them to put on such a big, impressive show right at the very beginning of the summer holidays. Well, I mean, also, nobody actually, you know, there's not been, it's it's the first time of opening. Nobody probably really knows it's there, do exactly, they? Exactly, To yeah. be honest, uh, it's not got any sort of uh, previous, has it? So, no, exactly. Um, and Peter Pan is quite an expensive show to mount mm. from a technical point of view. So maybe it, they will sort of come back from this and, and uh, it, it'll find its feet. Let's hope so. Yeah, well, I've got a bit of news. Uh, we were talking about the Les Mears concert uh, uh, that is uh, taking place while they're refurbishing the Queen's Theatre a couple of weeks ago, and it's now started. And and the news I have is not really about that, but about two of its stars, Michael Ball and Alfie Bow, um, who are both in that Les Mis concert. They're recording a third album, which is going to be released in November, and that's going to be followed by a limited stadium tour from February 2020. So if you like Michael and Alfie Bow on the back of their Les Mis concert, they're going to be re- releasing another album and doing a little stadium tour. So look out for that if you like them. And and that will probably sell extremely well. I, I would imagine really so, well yeah. Business. Oh, I've now found a piece of news I was uh, going to bring up, and that was that uh, Matt Cardle has withdrawn from Falsettos the Musical. Yeah, I, I just saw that just before we started chatting this afternoon. And, you know, Falsettos show very close to my heart. As yeah, I, absolutely. As, you know, I was in it um, a few years ago now. And, you know, they, he was going to be playing Mendel. Uh, it's not a well-known show. Mendel is a psychiatrist in the show. And uh, Matt Cardle is at the moment in um, Jesus Christ Superstar. Very good he is as well. Um, it doesn't really say why he he withdrew it just says due to scheduling issues i don't know what that really means um but it's still got a great cast daniel boys is is playing marvin which is the part that i played uh it's got laura pitt pulford as uh, marvin's wife trina and oliver saville as wizard it's um it's a very different show by william finn but it's um it's funny sad and everything in between it's uh, it's a really modern piece and i loved um doing the show a few years ago yeah and yes I'm, of course i took i took the rehearsal photos for it you did yeah and um i think it's uh, it's uh, it's one that really musical theater people should get to see because it's it's never done it's not done very often and um it's on at the um the other palace from the 30th of August for about two months, I think. Yeah. I've got tickets, I'm going on the 4th of September, so I'll report back for anybody who doesn't get there before then. And what I might do, just for our listeners, is I might see if I can dig out one of those rehearsal pictures and stick it mm-hmm. on our Facebook page, just so they can see how youthful you looked. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm racking my brains to try and think how many years ago it was. I'm guessing it was around 2000 and... 
maybe yeah, slightly. It may even have been before that, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, isn't it terrible? Can't even remember what, what year the show was. It's uh, yeah, it was around then. It was around then. It was about seven or eight years ago. But the so. the actual production was in um, St Albans, wasn't it? The Abbey Theatre, St yeah. Albans. Lovely, yeah. lovely space. A lovely little space, yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't. That's strange. I don't know why he's withdrawn, but as I say, scheduling well, issues. Well, scheduling issues covers a multitude of sins. So, um, <laughs> it does. Yeah. But the one he thing, the one thing is probably not the case. Is he's he's certainly musically well up to the role. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So scheduling like issues with me means I can't be bothered to get up usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's our news. I'm sure there'll be a few more news bits at the end of the show if we've thought of anything else, uh, mm-hmm. um, or if anything else has occurred while we've been sitting here. Which, uh, yes. um, but shall we move on to your um, reviews of the, the fortnight? Okay, well, Where would you I'd, like to start? well, I'd like to start actually. It, again, it's going to be a bit Lloyd Webber heavy. Well, all Lloyd Webber, I'm afraid. Uh, but this will be it. There's no more Lloyd Webber for me to see. I, I want to start with the Vita, as we just mentioned it, it, it with regards to how Prince, because um, I went to see a Vita at the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. Their summer musicals are becoming something really special and um, something that people look forward to every year. And this year is Evita. Um, I have to say I've never seen Evita before, not even the movie movie of it, so I had nothing to compare it to. Um, and I absolutely loved it. I, I, it wasn't what I was expecting, and it, I, I guarantee if you go and if you're going to go and see it, and you have any preconceptions of what Evita is, it will not be what you expect <laughs> expect those preconceptions to be. Um, it's 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 a case of somebody, the director Jamie Lloyd, thinking laterally about the show, and thinking how they can get the best out of it with no scenery, really no set very little costume um, and just through the score, the singers and the actors and the dancers and it works phenomenally well Um, what they have done is invested in pyrotechnics I've never seen quite so many pyrotechnics in a show ever Um, they work really well Um, I think (laughs) just for me it was just maybe one firework too many to be honest Well, well, of course in the open air you can do that much Mm. better than you can inside yeah, so they relied a lot on the pyrotechnics. They had this very clever thing with balloons where um, there's a song where a lot of the people who are trying to obstruct uh, Eva Perron's rise to power uh, are getting bumped off and disappearing in various ways. And um, they all come on sort of holding balloons and gradually as they as they die or disappear, their balloons get popped and that's the end of them. You know, it's a clever little uh, trick, directing trick to... Uh, to show that the the lead actors are fantastic the choreography is beautiful it's um it's a show that was written sort of between jesus christ superstar in uh, 1970 and tell me on a sunday in 1978 so it's 1976 sort of in the middle there and it's got influences of Jesus Christ Superstar. It's quite rocky in parts. Um, it, not the not the movie Rocky, you know, yeah, rock yeah, based, yeah. <laughs> not, not boxing based. No, not boxing based. It's quite rocky in parts. It's quite Latin American in parts. And then there's obviously some great musical theatre sounding songs like "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina," etc. Um, 
it just works and it's a, it's a magical place to watch a musical because as the sun goes down and it gets darker you you're you're drawn into what's going on on the stage and you sort of um forget about all the distractions of the trees and the you know the birds and all of that and you you just focus on what's going on and i don't think it's one that they could transfer to anywhere indoors because of a the pyrotechnics and all of that and it's a big large scale show so you couldn't do all of that indoors so i'd be very surprised if they announced it was going to transfer anywhere but it's on for another um a few weeks to the end of um august i think maybe slightly into september but it's uh it's almost sold out i believe so yeah. if you want to go get in quickly and look for tickets and i would i would recommend it wholeheartedly i think it's a great venue i mean it is obviously weather dependent but it's well worth going and it's a really nice evening it is weather dependent. I mean, if you get rained off, you know, you get a ticket to go to another performance or if not any other performance in that coming year. So it's not the end of the world. And um, you sort of expect if you go that you may get wet. You know, they try to carry on, obviously, uh, but it becomes if it becomes dangerous for the performers or the dancers, they can't dance around on a, a slippery stage. So um, I think somebody told me that they, they actually managed to do 92% of the performances over a summer season, which mm. I think is pretty good, to be yeah, honest. absolutely. Um, so they do try to soldier on. If it's light rain, they'll just carry on. Uh, but Evita, um, and as, I, as I'd never seen it before, in this version, it really, again, highlighted the score for me, um, which, which is great. It's a really good score. So Yeah, fantastic. And my second one is is just a quick revisit to Jesus Christ Superstar. Now, I'm intrigued by this because the notes that you sent me said, <laughs> and I quote, I now know why I like Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> so you need to unpack that thought a little for us. Yeah, I'm so, yeah, I know. I've not been born again or anything like that, but I do know now why I like the show. Um, and it's because... This version, which is the original uh, Regent's Park version, just brought inside, um, it's not as... And this sounds terrible, but it's not as screechy as previous productions I've seen. A lot of these uh, songs, especially for Jesus and for Judas, are written very high, um, and very high tenor voices are needed to sing them. And it all becomes a bit of a noise up there for me, personally. And I, I now know why I like this production and it's because I could understand what they were singing. I could understand the words because there wasn't so much. There was still some, but it wasn't as bad as in previous productions I've seen. And I, I totally got from this production where Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice were coming from in the beginning in telling the story from Judas's point of view. And so um, when you hear the words like that, it's suddenly registered with me. Uh, maybe I've just been very slow all these years or not listened to it in any great detail, but it really struck me that I could hear the words and that's what has made me uh, come round to liking it more. And in fact, after the second time seeing it, I came home and I watched... Um, I re-watched uh, a version which was done in the United States and broadcast live a couple of years ago with John Legend as Jesus. And that one's even better because they sing the score almost completely straight. There's no vocal gymnastics around it. It's just sung. And I like that one even more. So... I am becoming a convert to the show, but only if it's done in a way that I can understand the words. Yeah, 
but but that's good i mean it it's it's not i have to be honest i've seen it a couple of times and it's i i totally agree with you i think it um does stretch the singers quite extensively and uh often you do think the singers are struggling with just the singing let alone everything else yeah i think also when when that happens and it may just be me or us because we're of a generation where you you need to hear the words you know yeah. but when that happens i i then sort of turn off a little bit to the rest of what's going on and i must admit i hadn't even realized that the the whole show was being told from a different sort of perspective no. so that's just my feelings on that and i mean it's it's not only jesus christ superstar i mean i think this this is uh, a point about musicals in general now i mean i, I listened to some some songs from the bodyguard the other day and i mean the vocal gymnastics in that were just ridiculous uh, you know and you I, I sound like a ranting old man here but I, I just don't like it you know the songs are there to be sung as far as i'm concerned yeah so, I, I i think i'm i'm definitely one for things being very musical it's something i'm you know i don't like songs which are unmusical and it seems—it sort of seems to be done just for a just for for effect, for no other reason. You know, it doesn't do anything for the story or anything like that. But uh, yeah, uh, and there are certain shows. If I hear that, you know, I listen to Encore Radio quite a lot, and they they play a lot of songs from present shows. And if I hear a song that has a lot of that going on in it, I just am, I'm not interested really in going to see it, which is a bit of a shame because I might like the rest of it, you know. And that is what has happened with Jesus Christ Superstar. From the very beginning, I thought, oh, no, this is just a load of screeching noise and I'm not interested. But now I've actually found a couple of productions that have changed my mind completely. Well, that's good. That's good. Mm. Is it um, still running? I can't remember It's still running, uh, but only for another three or four weeks. I think the end of... uh, uh, The second week of September it finishes. Yeah. So... It's it's not got long, but it's at the Barbican Theatre, which is a lovely place to go. And as I said last week, um, not hugely expensive. No, so. and, and you, there probably will be still seats available because it's a fairly big, so. big venue, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Right, I'm going to move on to the Proms 2019. I, okay. Um, you sent me a note saying not a lot of musical theatre this year, apart from the uh, the normal John Wilson Prom. Yep. And so uh, it, I was in Amsterdam at the weekend on a short break, and... Uh, we decided to watch the prom and on the BBC iPlayer and through a, a degree of gymnastics, uh, computing gymnastics, which involved us logging into our home computer and then watching it through that because you can't actually watch iPlayer directly from abroad. Um, <laughs> we managed to watch the whole two hours and two and a half hours of the prom, which was really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, so I just thought I'd... I'd just sort of do a very brief review because it's not technically musical theatre, but I I would really encourage anyone who missed it to go onto iPlayer if you're in the UK and download it and watch it because it is a glorious evening of film music from Warner Brothers and uh, really, really fantastic and also some um, brilliant vocal performances as well. Warner Brothers were not known as a film company to being uh, very keen to splash the cash um, around, but they brought a couple of really top-notch composers from Europe, um, Eric Korngold and Max Steiner, over quite early on, and who were responsible for some just amazing scores. And, and this concert covered 90 years, roughly, of Warner Brothers music, 
and I can't say enough about it. It was really, really brilliant. It was very, very good, and the singers were great as well. Matt yeah. Ford, who is who started off actually, incidentally, as um, a sort of big band uh, Sinatra esque yes. type yeah. singer. I saw him many times as he was uh, starting off, and has now moved into more sort of musical theatre and concerts like that one. Uh, very good, Louise Dearman, the man that got away, beautiful. Um, you know, there was some really good stuff in there. And actually, there were some, you know, there were some um, some musical theatre stuff, wasn't there? there yeah, was, uh, yeah, yeah. There was some Lerner and Lowe and, and my, some My Fair Lady and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Mika- Michaela Bennett, who I had never seen perform before, sang um, I Could Have Danced All Night mm. as one of the encores. And it was just delightful. She's got yeah. such a beautiful voice. My only comment about it was, it was a great concert, but my only comment about it was, I didn't feel there was a really big finish. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I think they had, um, they planned to encores, and because the Harry Potter theme, which was the last thing they actually played on the night, was mentioned in the preview notes. So I probably would have slightly rearranged the second half. Be yeah, honest. I mean, I just uh, after I think um, I could have danced all night was there, and that was quite near the end, wasn't it? Yeah, that, was, yeah. that, was that an encore? I just was expecting a big encore with all the singers because that's what he usually does, you yeah. know. But as it wasn't, I suppose a, a typical musical theatre concert. I guess you know they felt an orchestral piece would be better to finish it off. I don't know. I do think that um, uh, "Get Me to the Church on Time" was particularly uh, came across particularly well. Mm. And yeah. um, and I, I did re- read a quote, and, and I don't can't attribute this quote, but it was made after the the concert went out, and it was someone who said, uh, when they heard the music for Now Voyager, I've got to see that film now, <laughs> and uh, it really was. I mean, it's just fantastic music, and I'm not particularly familiar with Corn uh, Gold's work or Steiner's no. work, and it's just really sumptuous film music. It's really worth watching. I think the coverage of the proms is really good as well. I mean, they always have good people, knowledgeable people, t- talking about the music before the concerts and in the interval. And they had Neil Brand uh, on this one. I don't know if you saw the bits before. Yeah, in the no, interval, I saw, but, saw pretty much all of it. I mean, he, he obviously very knowledgeable about film music. Um, and he that, for me, was almost as interesting as the concert because he, yeah. he, he told you what was going to come and musically how it fitted with the film and all of that. And, um, yeah, it made a really good couple of hours viewing. For those people who are listening to this who are not perhaps in the UK and are not as familiar with them, the John Wilson Orchestra is a an unusual a collection of musicians who are brought together to do these film music uh, collations and, and other other stuff as well. But... It really started 10 years ago at the proms. Um, or the orchestra's actually been running for much longer than that, but they first came to really huge prominence in the proms 10 years ago. Uh, and it's really a, a dance band surrounded by a symphony orchestra. It's really a huge, huge collection of musicians, and they're all really, really talented and really, really good. Yeah, they're all top-notch. They're, I mean, they've got jazz musicians, haven't they? Really yeah. good jazz jazz brass players and uh, symphonic or uh, string players. It's, it's a good mixture of very, very talented people. And they do try and replicate very exactly the Hollywood music orchestras of MGM and the other companies as well, um, uh, as in this case Warner's. Uh, of the 30s, 40s and 50s and, and beyond. 
Yeah, and of course, John Wilson is is uh, is very very hands on with this. He he takes scraps of music and turns them into these beautiful orchestrations. Because yeah. a lot of this music, um, you know, especially the really early stuff, it's not it doesn't really exist anymore. He transcribes things from recordings and and all of that. And you know, it must it must be a huge task to do yeah. that for an orchestra of that size. It's it's fantastic. And and also that performance was the second one they'd done that day mm, yes. because they do yeah. because it's so popular they do a matinee and they do an evening performance uh, so you know and it's such hard playing uh, yeah. it's really amazing real, really great do go and watch it if you can Yes, it's, it'll be on iPlayer for a while, won't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, so, at least uh, another but, three weeks. But, you know, not much else musical theatre at the proms this year. I did have a quick look through in case I was wrong, but um, I couldn't find much. No. I think that, I think that was it, really, sadly. But, it um, is It is a bit, bit sad, isn't it? But, but they've moved into spoken word. They've got a sort of poetry slam prom, and, you know, they've got a lot of modern music and a lot of modern classical music this year as well. So, I mean, they, they do try, I suppose. Yeah, and of course, at the moment, as we're speaking in the middle of August, uh, the Edinburgh Fringe is still running, mm. uh, and, and and the main Edinburgh festivals as well. So, um, I haven't heard that much about uh, things there. Um, well, anything. I know some people who are actually probably just arriving there about now, who have promised to send me some little quick reviews that I might be able to um, put on next time, although it might be a bit late for the Fringe next time, but it doesn't hurt to know what's good and what's not. So um, I, I, I'm expecting some texts in, in the next few days. Oh, but, that's uh, good. Yeah, it, there's quite a few musicals up there this year. I mean, I haven't been this year, but there were quite a few musicals, which yeah. is encouraging because previous years, last few years, I've felt it's been a bit... Uh, it's been a bit expensive to take shows there, and, and there haven't been as many musicals as, as I seem to remember. But No, I mean, yeah. and as I said, I would love to go back. I went regularly, um, and we often are sort of linked up, didn't we, and, and went round, yeah. and, which is probably how this podcast started. It's really the yeah. genesis of this podcast, really, yeah. is our Edinburgh, slightly drunken Edinburgh reviews. <laughs> um, but maybe next year we will try and go up there and do a special podcast yeah. if we're still going. That would be great. It'll be good. I've got a few bits, a couple of bits of casting news which people might be interested oh, in. Oh, excellent. Um, 42nd Street, starring Bonnie Langford, is going to be on, and it's going to be screened in cinemas from the 10th of November this year. So um, if you like 42nd Street, tap dancing, and Bonnie Langford, who is fabulous live on stage, really good, um, that's going to be screened in cinemas. And you can you can buy tickets now, and the tickets are from 42ndStreetCinema.com. That's numbers 42, 42ndStreetCinema.com. And so. that is the production that ran at Drury Lane, is it not? Mm, yeah, it's a, it's a touring production of that. Um, and I think it's during the UK and Ireland. Um, but from the 10th of November, I don't quite know how many weeks. This is just a little strip of news yeah. I saw. Uh, but from the 10th of November, you, you, you will be able to go and see it in the cinema. So look out for that. That's good. Um, second bit of casting news is uh, for the revival of Mary Poppins at the Prince Edward. Um, the Birdwoman, who sings Tuppence a Bag, is going to be played by Petula Clark. Ah, Yes. 
Petula Crow, who's now 86. Goodness, and do you know, that makes me feel really old. When did that happen? I, mean, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, was, it only seems like yesterday I went to see her in, uh, in uh, Sunset Boulevard, <laughs> you know, at the Adelphi, so um, very and strange. They, yeah, so Petula Clark as the bird woman. Um, I've, I've got, I'm going at some point. I've got tickets already, so... Um, that will be uh, an, a bit of added interest for me because I really, I really liked her in uh, in Sunset Boulevard. So. Yeah, and 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 the, as a stage show, it's done extremely well. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good show. It's um it's uh, you know one that uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the revival. So. Yeah, and and so we're now in the the part of the year when probably we are starting to think about the autumn, and that's when. There'll be a lot of uh, new stuff coming along, so it'll be really interesting in the next episode and, and future episodes to, to think about all the new things that are coming up. Including, um, it's coming up to the season for amateur shows. Yes, indeed. So if, you've, if you're starting to um, you know, work on an amateur show or a semi-pro show or something you'd like us to mention, just uh, email us and let us know, and we'll, uh, we'll gladly mention it and uh, hopefully maybe get you a little bit of publicity. Yeah, and, and just to remind people, the email address is mail at stagedoorcast.co.uk. And uh, very easy to get hold of us. People do email us, strangely enough. So um, do do let us know about your shows, and we'll be delighted to mention them on the podcast. Absolutely. Well, so, I think that's, um, that's just about it, isn't it, Richard? I think so. I was just going to have a look and see if there's anything I've got coming up that I, I can tempt you with for next time. Um, I'm going to see the Bridges of Madison County. Ah, um, the lovely Jenna Russell. Yeah, and that's at the uh, Menia Chocolate Factory. So I may have a review of that for next time. So that, I no, think that, that's that, about that, the end. Yeah, that's a really nice little intimate venue. Mm, I don't know anything about the show, but uh, I'm looking forward to that one in a couple of weeks' time. So. Yeah, that, that that is a new uh, adaptation, isn't it, of the film of the same name? Yes, I think. yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, that just about wraps up this episode. Thank you, Richard, for your contributions. Thank you, it's been great. And thanks to everyone who's listening. Do click and subscribe and tell all your friends and let's try and uh, get more and more people across the love of musical theatre um, our next episode will be in two weeks and uh, hopefully um, we will see you then until then bye 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 for now thanks for listening to Stage Doorcast please click and subscribe and tell all your friends and why not write to us and let us know what you're doing as shows or give us ideas for future episodes. Our email address is mail at stagedoorcast.co.uk. 